0: Welcome to the QA. I'm Tony Defio. That's Jeffrey Benedict. How are you doing, Jeffrey? I'm doing great, Tony. I'm doing great. <laughs> I I Kenny Pickett, the start of the show, apparently. Uh, <laughs> my first time, my first time doing a QA uh, music. So I couldn't, I didn't progress through my reads. And I just got I just took off and ran with it. But that's, that's okay. okay. It's that's okay.
1: It's still training camp. We'll just,
0: you know. Right, we don't even have pads on yet. <laughs> Oh, welcome everybody to q and I'm Tony Deffio. That's Jeffrey Benedict, as I probably already said, but I can't remember now. So uh, this is, I think, is this the last installment of the q and I'm not sure.
1: I, I don't know if it's continuing or not. I don't know. They don't they don't yeah. include me in the big decision making.
0: Yeah, me either. I don't know. I, I just noticed this is the third one of the summer and I can't believe we are on the eve as we're doing this show right now, on the eve of the Steelers putting pads on and st- playing football for real. What, what are your thoughts on camp so far? Uh,
1: I, I think everyone who hasn't played well so far should be cut. Uh, they should have drafted entirely different players who would have been better in practice, <laughs> except for the guys who are doing good in practice. Right. Those guys are great. And the guys who aren't doing anything in practice, mm-mm, cut them all. And let's find I've... people on other teams who, who practice well.
0: Wow, that reminds me of the many text messages I've received since Wednesday. It's uh, <laughs> apparently we all think alike because I've been saying that all summer. They need to get better players, and so far, I every, guess they, they, huh?
1: Every practice, every practice the Steelers have, they should pick five players and cut them. They should be like whoever did the worst that day, just cut. Mason, first throw, the, first throw of the through throw practice, you threw an interception. Hit the showers, kid. We're bringing. No, we I'm, got like back up. We got Jimbo up in the stands. He's gonna throw the next pass.
0: Well, if that were, if that, if that was enacted this week, Mason Rudolph would still be on the team. From what I understand. Yeah, he's, he'd he'd
1: he's, be the, he'd be like the only player. It'd be like him and yeah. George Pickens. Yeah. And he, and he oh my gosh. I think TJ Watts dominated.
0: Well, TJ Watts, he's exempt. He, he doesn't, I mean, yeah. you know, I think he's, he's built up so much uh, goodwill over the last five years. He can make a year's worth of mistakes and nobody would, nobody would uh, care. Oh, he would care.
1: Him. He could go out in the field and like lay down and just be like, right. Yes. yes. What it's practice. Yes. I don't care. If people would be like, dad, TJ, it's all right.
0: <laughs> still be better than and Bob, honestly, um, and honestly, if
1: he did that if he did that he's tj Watt. who cares right. you know what you know what he's going to do week one right you know what he's going to do week two you know what he's going to do all the way through the season
0: it doesn't matter what he does in practice it doesn't matter 19 and a half sacks that's what i'm predicting that's what he's gonna, have. Yeah. Not gonna break the record but his 19 and a half well, will be negated will be offset by uh uh alex highsmith's eleven. How many how many weeks of practice
1: have we how many how many sorry how many practice days have we had so far something like four four and i've heard so far tj watt is yet to tackle a quarterback
0: well that's because he's gotten I fat mean, off that rich contract
1: yes he won, he, yeah. He, he, yeah he got he got that record now he doesn't care anymore he's not yeah, tackling he, any quarterbacks
0: he won the award finally the defensive player of the year award now he doesn't care he doesn't care so <laughs> but um uh I don't know about you and, and I, it, you know, I, I kind of made fun of Steeler fans on, on Twitter today, but I am so super excited about George Pickens. I can't believe, I mean, I realize it, it, it's football and shorts and, and receiver receivers always, going to look good. Usually he better look good in football yeah. and shorts, but George Pickens, I mean, he looks like somebody that, you know, what they said about him after the draft that if he wouldn't have torn his ACL at what beginning of 2021, he would have been the first receiver, Pick now, that's that's what he's looking like through four days, but it's just it's very exciting. What do you think of him?
1: Oh, it's it's fantastic seeing the catches he makes.
0: Yeah, it's Uh, it's
1: really good, but oh, I always I always hedge my bets with rookies because if you watch those routes he's running, those defensive backs are letting him off the line. mm
0: -hmm. They're not
1: jamming each other, they're not they're not pushing and shoving in the routes. I think he's a guy that shows that on college film, but, but that's what I want to see. I want to see these guys try and bump him off his routes. Cause I, I, I always go back. I, I mentioned this all the time in my other shows, but Justin Hunter, when the pads were off and no one was hitting each other, looked like Randy Moss. Yeah. And then when, as soon as someone could touch him and push him and shove him, he, he completely disappeared and he couldn't do anything. So, I don't think that's going to happen to George Pickens, but as good as George Pickens looks, we still haven't, we still haven't seen him actually play football as a stealer yet.
0: That's a good point. And, and, and you know, your X's and O's you're, you're very good. You you have an awesome uh, uh, grasp of, of that part of the game. So uh, do you think he has that in him to be that kind of guy uh, to, to get off his blocks and be physical? I know he, he loves to block and he loves to fight people in college. I was, uh, that was a, that was a, part of his, his uh, reputation, but do you think he has the ability to be that, that physical?
1: Oh yeah. I, I, from what we saw in college, I think he, I think he's that guy. I think he's going to be that guy. Uh, I don't really have concerns about him. I just, anytime rookie receivers do well at this time of year, it, it's, it's always, I just have this like twitch in the back of my, you know, my mm-hmm. twitch right in the back of my neck that I'm like, Oh, it's just, Oh, they haven't done it right. for real yet. Right. You know, don't, don't, don't get too excited. We'll see how he does. I think he's going to be fantastic. Uh, I think he is going to be a big explosive part of this offense, especially downfield throws. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's hard to, it's hard to take anything too seriously with when, when all of our history, all of my stats, I like to bring up all come from Ben Roethlisberger.
0: Right. right? And right. I, I can
1: cite you how so many, so many stats on how important a deep ball threat is to Ben Roethlisberger. Right. But I, I don't know how important he is to Kenny Pickett or, uh, Mitchell Mitchell Trubisky in the Matt Canada offense. I don't know.
0: Right. Yeah, it, it, It's, it's a still point. a
1: great thing. It's still a great right. thing to have. So it's, it's a weapon you'd rather have than not have.
0: Oh yeah, exactly. And what do you think he brings to the table as far as the receiver room that for example, Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool and Anthony Miller and those guys don't, or or in Calvin Austin, although he's a rookie too, uh, What do you think he brings that's unique from the rest of the receiving court? Well, he's, he's definitely
1: a contested catch guy like a James Washington. James Washington thrived on those combat catches. Uh, James Washington couldn't get off the line very well. He didn't win inside of the route. He didn't create space, didn't get open, but Mm -hmm. he could take those contested catches. Uh, George Pickens gives us a contested catch guy. Chase Claypool. Isn't that guy? Deontay. Isn't always that guy. Uh, this is definitely that guy that you can, you, you see him streaking down the sideline, you throw it to him. You just uh, throw it up there and let him get, let him go for it.
0: Yeah, I, I am. I Obviously I'm excited about the quarterback uh, competition and wh- what they're going to do in uh, in that first pre-season, preseason game. But I cannot wait now to see what George Pickens does in, a, in his first preseason game, because uh, if it's, a, if it's anything that's positive, look out for the, the hyper, her, hyperbole, the hype machine. The summer of George, right? That's what that's what, that's what it's gonna be. It's what it already has been. <laughs> summer summer of, George, of George, I love it. Yeah, the I love it. So of
1: here's we got a good question here. Okay. Uh from Kathy. Kathy, the real question, the real question asked here is can George Pickens out backflip Martavis Bryant? That's an important question, right there. Can are we gonna get the highlights, and then and then some shenanigans. Are we gonna get that? Oh man, that catch! You st- I still remember that. Yeah, that that flip he did to catch the ball.
0: That was incredible, and he, he, he kind of corralled it in between his legs as, as he went out of bounds, and he still got both feet in bounds. I mean, he had control of the ball. It was like Antonio Brown's helmet catch, uh, but it was between his legs. But it was or was it behind his back? I I think it was maybe behind his back or something. Yeah, it was he, like,
1: and then he and then he somehow folded and went like under his leg and yeah. It was craziness.
0: I mean, yeah, that, that that play he made at camp, I guess it was day two or day three. Uh, I mean, that was obviously they kept showing the Troy Polamalu interception against the Chargers in 08. And it was so much like that. Uh, but it just shows you just the athleticism and his concentration and his hunger to, to, to do that so early in camp. Um, even as a second-round pick, you would think uh, – um, uh, Maybe he would he would feel like all right, I'm a second round pick. I, you know, I got this team made. But no, he's he's uh, he's he's hungry to show them that 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 you know maybe he should have been a first round pick. So yeah, I, I I I can't wait to see what he does in a game. Oh yeah. So you want to take some questions now?
1: Yeah, let's take some questions. Let's all see, right. we got. Here's a good one. From Tyler Cromie. Who do you think is going to be the most productive rookie by
0: year's end? Ooh. Hmm. Well, I mean, come on, it's got to be George Pickens, right? I mean, we just spent ten minutes uh, 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 waxing poetic about George Pickens. I, 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 I think if the quarterback play is right, who, no matter who wins the job, uh, George Pickens, you know, he's gonna he's gonna be a major weapon. Right as of right now. That's that's my You prediction. think
1: you think he's going to outdo Kenny Pickett. You don't think Kenny's going to step in and and be that take over that spot if he gets a chance?
0: I I mean, ideally I want him to because I've always been an advocate of if you draft a quarterback in the first round, you throw him in there right away and you let him learn on the job. But with Mitchell Trubisky in there, I think they're going to give him a long leash, at least a month. So I think by that point, maybe George Pickens will, will, will have established himself as a kind of rookie of the month kind of player, Jamar Chase kind of player. And by the end, it, it'll be, it'll still be George Pickens.
1: Wow. You're putting him up there with
0: Jamar Chase. I just, I just, I, it's, it's hype. I know it's, it's so early. <laughs> yeah, Tony, I I, just, I can't help Tony, you're it. You're riding just, the roller coaster here. I know I am. I am. Uh, <laughs> but there's nothing else. It's all quarterback talking, George Pickens. That's all we've heard so far. That's true. At least that's all, that's all I've heard. So. Yeah, I, there's uh there's I like, Deontay, De- Deontay Johnson stuff, but that's old.
1: Yeah, I, I'm liking a lot what I'm hearing about Demarvin Leal looking good, uh, yeah. and it looks like really the Steelers from the from the way they're using the new guy Larry Ogunjobi and the way they're using these people, it looks like they're really separating the uh, three-four defensive end and the the when they when they just do two interior defensive linemen. For more of a pass rush, it, it looks like they're really splitting those kind of up where you might see a guy like an Isaiah Loudermilk play as the defensive end with, you know, a uh, Tyson alu in the middle, you know, have Cam Hayward, Tyson alu mm-hmm. Isaiah Loudermilk in a 3-4 setup. But when there's only two defensive tackles, it's it's going to be like Cam Hayward, LeMarvin, DeMarvin Leal, uh, Larry Joby. It's going to be guys like that, Chris Wormley, that, that give them more pass rush uh, mm. and less run defense. It's it's interesting to see, and it's going to be interesting to see how they do that. But I think Demarvin Leal could be a productive rookie. Uh, but pro- I'm going to have to go with you too. I, I think I think George Pickens is going to going to put up some good numbers.
0: Uh, so you you think Leal? You think he has he has it in him uh, in that? Uh, I guess that formation to to get after to get to the passer to get after the passer because I know his yeah, strength that, isn't necessarily uh, stopping the run right.
1: He's he's not bad at it. Uh, but, but he's more of a penetrator. He's a splitter. Get, get back there. Cause some havoc, uh, mm. more than he is a, you know, read the play, find the right, you know, run lane to fill that kind of stuff. Uh, he's much more attack. Whereas you've got mm. a guy like Isaiah Loudermilk who holds the point of attack, works his way into the hole, just disrupts what you're trying to do. Whereas DeMarvin Lialis, let's go forward. Let's get in the backfield. Let's mess stuff up. Let's create some havoc. So I, I think he could have a splash as a rookie, if he gets those chances and when you put him next to a guy like a Cameron Hayward and you've got like, I mean, you think about it, it's going to go Alex Highsmith, Cameron Hayward, DeMarvin Liao, T.J. Watt. Uh, DeMarvin Liao, if he's getting double teamed, uh, you've you've done either. He is really that amazing (laughs) or the offense is screwed up. Right. (laughs) Because you've got Cameron Hayward and and T.J. Watt. Right. The guy between them isn't the one you need to double team.
0: Right. Yeah. You, you don't want those guys one-on-one. Uh, Yeah. That's a, yeah. uh, that's a good point. So of, of these, the, 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 younger defensive linemen, including well, obviously we just talked about Leal, who do you think has that chance to be, you kind of mentioned loud be that effective run stopper for them in the future. Cause obviously Alua Alou is getting up there and Cam Hayward starting to get, obviously, you know, that was such a big problem for them last year Uh, and, and everybody assumes with, with Alua Alou back, it's going to be at least a little bit better in, in run defense, but but is there anybody that you see that could possibly uh, assume that role down the road if they continue to progress? Well, I'm very
1: excited to see Isaiah Loudermilk. Uh, he put on a lot of weight, did a lot of conditioning uh, last year. I was surprised to see how little he actually played. When you look at final snap counts, it was something around twenty some percent of snaps. Hmm. It was incredibly low. It, you think of how much, how many times we you you saw him, you think he played a lot more than he actually did. Right. Uh, but I think this year he's gonna play a lot more. And the other guy, uh, people gotta remember the run defense got a lot better when Montravius Adams showed mm-hmm. up and took over those nose tackle uh snaps where no one else was holding the line, no one else was doing a good job there, and he really provided you know one more solid defender there. So I I think really there, you know, you've got Cameron Hayward, but after him, you've got Oluwalu, you've got Montravius Adams, you've got Isaiah Loudermilk. I think they're going to be pretty, I think they'll be a lot better in run defense than they were last year.
0: Uh, that's, that's music to my ears. I sure hope so. And I think people forget that, that Adams was a 2017. He was the third round pick by the Packers. So he's, a, he has. Yeah, a pretty he's easy, not very old. Yeah. He has a, the pedigree. You know, he's bounced around a bit, I guess, but uh, maybe he's found his home here and that would be great because, you know, like you said, he's, he's, uh, he's young and, and uh, you know, he, he seems to be fairly talented and, and he helped him a lot last year down the stretch. So, I'm excited about him too. So, you see any other great questions down here? I've been I've been scrolling trying to. There we go. How about this one from uh, Steel Nation Forty Two? Ooh, here we go. This this is this is a hot button topic right here. How much of a worthy contract does Johnson value the most? What do you think?
1: Okay, I'm gonna go. With how much of a how much of a contract is he worth? Um, yeah, there you go. Oh my goodness. For for me, uh, I I would, man, I have a hard time giving him his value on the Steelers. Like I think he's worth, and right now with the market that was set this year, Mm -hmm. Deontay Johnson's a twenty million dollar a year receiver. He's he's good enough to get that money, right? But man, on, on the Steelers, the way the Steelers have drafted receivers to go from like rookie contracts, you know, guys who are making, you know, four, five, maybe even like up to $5 million a year to 20. To yeah. That's a lot of money to throw at a guy at a position where you've been able to replace people uh, pretty easily. And I, I'm, I've said it before, we haven't seen him without Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, except for his rookie season where he was the number two receiver on the team. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Ben Roethlisberger came back and him and Ben Roethlisberger took off. Right. They, they, they had it together, but is he going to duplicate that with a Kenny Pickett? I mean, if he, if the Steelers watch him and they're like, dude, Kenny Pickett and Deontay Johnson are going to be special together. Then that, then you say, well, maybe he's worth that to the Steelers then. But otherwise I, I, he's the kind of guy that can go somewhere else and, and be just as open. He's going to, he's still going to run routes. Well. Right. Uh, and I think I got a question if it's worth it for the Steelers simply because of how they draft and develop receivers.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I mean, I, I like Deontay Johnson. I think he's done a great job for, for, you know, he came into the league and, and right away he lost his franchise quarterback in the second game. and And the offense has been kind of a, you know, uh, mixed bag to worse than that his, his whole career and, and he's still been productive but I mean people talk about this hold in and how it's going to hurt him and other guys like Pickens and Claypool are going to and Anthony Miller maybe even him or Austin are going to jump up and, 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 and take his place but I mean those guys could all break their hands and they still are not going to pay him $20 million a year I just don't see them doing that I think they're just not they don't they haven't done that up to this point other than an all-time great like Heinz Ward or Antonio Brown and I don't see them breaking that precedent for, or yeah, breaking that uh, philosophy for uh, for Johnson. Uh, but I think at some point they're going to have to do that. They're going to have to 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 pay a receiver market value, even if he's not Antonio Brown or Heinz Ward. They're going to have to because they might develop this reputation around the league that hey, these guys don't pay their receivers. So let's hold out by year three instead of year four. You know, they, it might that that yeah. might start happening. So. Uh, eventually they might have to like they did with TJ Watt last year where they, they gave him all that guaranteed money. And they of course did it again this year with Fitzpatrick. They might have to change their philosophy on receivers, but right now it doesn't, you know, th- there's so much to to find out about the quarterback and what kind of offense is going to be. So maybe it's not something that they're going to worry about until season's end. But if he shows out this year, then uh, it might be 25, 30 million instead of 20. So, uh, but I I, I agree. You know. I don't think, I don't think they're, they value receivers like other teams do. All right, next question.
1: Here's a good one. Steelers Nation four one two. Is this a boom or bust year for Chase Claypool?
0: Boom or bust? Wait, hmm. Yeah. Is well, this the I year think... he needs to?
1: Is this the year like? I, the way I'm reading is: is this the, is this a big decision year? Is this the year he has to show up? Or maybe show his way out.
0: Um. Well, I think it was year three, right? So, um, I think I anticipate him being better this year than he was last year. Honestly, um, because I think his attitude's better this year. I think he he realizes that some of the stuff that he said at the end of his rookie year, and then the things that he did last year with the with the the, the first down celebration was that against the Vikings or Chargers, whatever that game was. Yep. I think that uh maybe woke him up a bit and of course drafting George Pickens and bringing him in here. And I think, uh, uh, you know, he seemed like a pretty level-headed mature guy when he first came here. And then, you know, he, he, you know, he started saying things in, in on social media and, and, and that kind of uh, ruffled the feathers of people. And he had that incident in 2021, the off season, the little scuffle at that bar, but I'm, you know, maybe, you know, the year three, you know, he's going to finally come into his own and, 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 and be more of a professional so I think I don't think this is a boomer bust, but I think that this is going to be his uh, a, a much better year than he had in, in last year anyway.
1: Yeah, I'm going to I think we're going to see I don't think we're going to see any of the receivers really take off stats wise, just because I don't expect us to throw it as much. Right. You know, and maybe even if we're more efficient, maybe it's the same kind of yardage. Uh, but I I expect, you know, Pat Fryermuth I think his numbers are going to go up. Uh, maybe Najee Harris's numbers goes go down. He had an incredible amount of receptions last right. year. Uh, I think he was third on the team, um, second or third on the team in receptions. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, some yards, there's going to be some yards there to gain, but I don't think anyone's going to have a ridiculous season simply because the Steelers aren't going to be the, a big time passing offense. They're they're going to try and be more balanced than they have in the past.
0: So you think whoever wins a starting job, it's going to be closer to a game manager type of a uh, role as opposed to putting the offense on his back and throwing it 50 times a game like Ben did in his prime. Yeah. I
1: don't, yeah. I don't see that happening. Not, not with any of these guys like Pickett's a rookie uh, Mason Rudolph. You don't want him throwing the ball 40 times a game, 35 mm. times a game. You don't want that 20, 20, 20 to twenty five times. If you can win a game where it's the quarterback through eighteen times, great. Yeah, you know, if you if, right. if you're you're having them throw thirty times a game, Steelers are probably not winning them winning a lot.
0: That's that's probably a good point. And uh, and Borat um, right, is a good point. I should say That's <laughs> probably a good point it is a good point. But speaking of that, um, something we haven't seen, we hadn't seen a lot in Roethlisberger's latter years. I'd say the last ten years is the is the uh, play action. People were clamoring for that for years. Do you see that as a bigger part of the offense uh, this year, like as far as like maybe uh, opening up some things downfield or uh, making the the ground game more effective, or, or or do you see them doing doing just as much shotgun as they as they always have? Well, you go back you go back to when
1: uh, Mitchell Trubisky was starting in Chicago, and they were uh, when you look at RPOs, run pass options, and uh, play action passes they were near the top of the league in both. A lot mm. of teams will have like a lot of RPOs or a lot of, you know, play action. He was towards the top in both and they were effective. Uh, so I think that Matt Canada wants that in his offense. He showed that a lot in college. He did a lot of play action. He did a lot of RPOs and Mitchell Trubisky did a ton as an NFL player in the, in the for the Chicago Bears. So I, I definitely think we're going to see not just a lot more, we're going to see be one of the higher teams in the NFL in both RPOs run and uh, play action passes. We're going to be way up there uh, in the NFL simply because that's this offense. And that's what they're going to, that's what they're going to need to do. Uh, that's what they want to do. And that's what Mitchell Trubisky is good at. Awesome.
0: That kind of puts into perspective why they signed him. And, and so basically what you're saying is Matt Canada going to have the whole playbook available to his quarterbacks this year it's going to be the entire it's going to be the 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 authentic matt canada offense and not not a marriage between matt canada and what we saw last year with 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 ben it's going to be yeah the, the true well matt canada. In
1: one caveat there that it there was if ben was a big part of it but the other part was the offensive line right. uh, couldn't execute a lot that's true of the like outside zone stuff uh they, they i mean trey turner could not do outside zone uh they brought in uh uh the center they brought in and uh, James Daniels, the guard, both come from very outside zone heavy offenses. I, in my opinion, the Kevin Dotson, Kendrick Green uh, competition is about Kevin Dotson being able to do things like an outside zone offense, where it's more about lateral mobility and being able to block while moving side to side, which is not his strength. That mm-hmm. is a strength of Kendrick Green. So obviously, when the team had to go away from the outside zone, Kendrick green's best part of his game disappeared. Uh, and, and so like, what, what was he worth at that point? Uh, when he's moving a lot, when he's running around, he's, he's better. Uh, so while I still, I still love the guard that just grabs somebody and pushes them out of the way Mm -hmm. love a nice people mover and Alifanica type. So I love Kevin Dotson. I love watching him play football. Uh, but that competition to me is straight up about Kevin Dotson's ability to run outside zone, uh, which is not his strength versus that being Kendrick Green's strength and this team wanting to be a team that runs that.
0: Awesome. That's, 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 that's an awesome, uh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, insight. Uh, I remember a few months ago listening to some radio segment with Jerry Dulac, who's a longtime insider. And I mentioned this before, and they asked him, you know, who do you think is going to Win the starting left guard spot and he surprised the host by saying Kendrick green, but when you lay it out that way with the, with the, uh, the, 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 the zone, uh, blocking and his athleticism, that was a big thing of his, that was yeah. a big, uh, uh, positive of his coming out of college last year. Uh, that makes sense that maybe that's, that's why he feels that green is going to come in and, and beat out thoughts and who, I mean, everybody loved the guy last hour uh, in 2020. And of course, uh, you know, he went into the offseason as the presumed starter for 2022, but, You know they drafted Kevin Green or Kendrick Green in the third round, so they're going to want to get him in the lineup uh, somewhere. And if it's not at center, it's got to be at guard, and it's not going to be right guard with James. Yeah, James Daniels. So, yeah, that's going to be an interesting battle to watch, especially when they start uh, uh, on Monday morning with the pads or Monday afternoon, I should say. Here's a question from Sherry Richards, and this is this is a uh, another controversial question. Do you believe Canada about Mason having a real shot to start, or are they trying to? up his value for a trade. What do you think?
1: Okay. Uh, this is going to go straight up to my preseason evaluation is the same as my practice evaluation. I, I, I've talked about it on my, some of my podcasts last year, uh, but the three R's there's three R's here. Your, your rank, your role and your results. And it's in that order is how I look at you. Your ranking is where you play, where the team plays you in the depth chart. If you're the second string guy, That's how the team sees you. If they saw Mason Rudolph as a guy who is equal to Mitchell Trubisky, they would, Mason Rudolph would be getting snaps with the first team. And I think in week two, if you see Mason Rudolph getting snaps with the first team, then that means something. But Mm -hmm. until he takes first team snaps, no, he's not, he's not being given a chance to win that job. Uh, I I also know, like, people talk about Mitchell Trubisky struggling and Mason Rudolph looking good. Yeah. Well, who's the first team defense? T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, Miles Jack, Minka Fitzpatrick. Mason Rudolph's going against other guys. Like, he's going against their backup. Derek Tuska, uh, you know, like Buddy Johnson, Robert Spillane, uh, Trey Norwood back there on on free safety at times, like – that's not that's not the same. You're not facing the same caliber of opponent. And, and the drop-off from George Pickens to Anthony Miller to whatever that is not the same as the drop-off from TJ Watt to Derek Tuska. It's, yeah. it's a little bit different. So for me, when you see Mason Rudolph competing against the ones, that means he is, in their minds, done enough to earn a legit shot at starting. Until that happens, it's not real.
0: It's not real. It's it's it's. You think it's it's a foregone conclusion at this point that that Trubisky starts Week One, or at least that's your that's your plan. That's that's how they want it to go. And it would have to somebody would have to come come up and, and blow by Trubisky, or he would have to really uh, bleep the bed for them to to go to somebody else. Oh yeah,
1: I I, f- I firmly believe that they want Mitchell Trubisky to be the guy. Uh, and I will go second and say, I mean, and I I think every Steelers fan is going to want this unless you're specifically a Mason Rudolph fan, you know, you want Kenny Pickett to overtake Mason Rudolph, right? Right. By the end of this camp, you're really hoping Mason Rudolph is your number three, because Mm -hmm. at that point, that means Trubisky's going and, you know, Kenny Pickett has played well enough to earn snaps with the twos and then actually took that job from Mason Rudolph. If Mason Rudolph is competing for snaps for the one, you've, you've, got a question where you are I don't think you're gonna see a big leap from Mason Rudolph at this point mm-hmm. especially as the offense is going farther away from his skill set you know he's not an RPO run first guy he's not that guy uh I I don't think that fits him as well he can do it better than Ben Roethlisberger could mm-hmm. but I don't think that's his strengths uh so yeah. for me if if Mason Rudolph is is competing for the ones it's not the best sign uh for for anyone but him
0: it's, it's more of an indictment of the other two than it is a compliment to him is what you're saying. Yeah. 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 The only thing, the only thing I, 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 that the only thing that gives me pause uh, after the first four days is you're hearing things that you didn't hear in the past from guys like Jim Wexel, who's a long time insider that yeah. his poise it looks um, so much better and he looks so much calmer than he has in the past. And yeah, you might say, well, they're going against number twos and they're not wearing pads. But my my thing is uh when you when you when your employer does what they did, you go out and you sign Mr. Trubisky, and then you, a month later you, you draft Kenny Pickett, to me that would that would mess with my head psychologically. And I'm not sure if I could uh show up to camp and and, and be confident at that point. Like they're clearly trying to replace me. But yeah, maybe he just feels like he has nothing to lose. I don't know, but uh evidently the, the confidence is, is is better and he seems more comfortable than he ever has in the past. So That's one thing that gives me pause about Mason Rudolph. I just think, no matter who wins the job, uh, if if it's if if that guy goes on to if that guy's really good, then it's going to be a great story. If 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 it's Mason Rudolph by default, then that's that's not a good sign. That's not a good thing. So, you see any other questions that are that are tantalizing? Here's the front here.
1: Well, here's one that that works with what we've just been talking about, and I lose it right as I say that. Um, How short a leash? Will Mitchell trubisky be on those? So Tony, let's say they stick with trubisky. He's not looking the greatest. He goes into the regular season. they're starting him. How short of a leash before a Mason Rudolph or Kenny Pickett comes in? do you think if you if, with Mitchell trubisky starting?
0: Well, with trubisky being a veteran and and having a bit of a track record in the NFL and and for them to, to sign him at the very really before free agency officially began in March uh i think they'll give him four weeks i think they'll give him a month to see if he maybe he can maybe he's you know a little out of sorts with the new offense with there's new team new surroundings and and he just needs a, a month to, to get things going the steelers being the steelers they don't overreact usually so i see them giving him four weeks if it were mason rudolph <laughs> uh maybe a week or two or even uh, uh, uh yeah kenny pickett i think if they threw kenny pickett in there right away They'd probably give him the whole season because I think they would just say, "All right, he's a rookie." But if it's if it's uh, Mr. Trubisky, I'd I, I'd give him a uh, I'd say it will give him a month.
1: I'll I agree with you. I agree with you. I think Mitchell Trubisky gets a good amount of time. Uh, the Kenny Pickett push. I'll give you this: the push for Kenny Pickett to start, uh, circle week ten, mm-hmm. right after the bye week. If they're going to make a switch to a different quarterback, especially with going to Pickett. You're going to want that extra week. That's where teams normally do kinds of things like that. That's where uh, rookies, the Steelers always get rookies more involved in the offense after the bye week. We saw that with uh, Pat Fryermuth. He was showing up. He was doing great stuff. It wasn't until the bye week that they stepped up his role on the team substantially. Uh, that's that's what they normally do. So hmm. that week 10, eight games in the season, about halfway into the season, if, if the team is struggling, that's where you could see you know Kenny Pickett kind of step in and, and push for that before then if you're taking him out if you're taking trubisky out, most likely it's Mason Rudolph going in.
0: That's a good point uh, what when you say struggling, um what what would what would you consider struggling Would, would it be around five hundred or, or would it be you know ho- hopelessly out of the playoff race?
1: Well, I don't think we'll be hopelessly out of the playoff race because I'm very high on this defense mm-hmm. uh, but if they're not if they're not moving the ball well, uh, if he's if he's not getting the ball downfield well if you're not seeing some deep passes being caught if the if they're if the other team is being able to kind of load the box like they were last year and and even late in 2020 and just kind of overload the offensive line like that that's that's when you're going to see a Kenny Pickett get get worked into there because they're not going to want this you've got to have something from this offense. This defense can carry uh the load for this team, but the offense they, they can't do it if the offense isn't produ- producing. And we saw that last year in the playoffs game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Nobody held the Chiefs scoreless for six straight drives yeah. in like three years. Right. The Steelers defense did that and, in fact, scored a touchdown. They actually, yeah. over the first six drives, the Steelers defense not only shut down the Chiefs, they scored. They outscored them themselves. Uh, but you can't do that all game if the offense can't even get a first down. I think they had two first downs by the time the, the, the Chiefs had – Going on their, was They were going on their seventh drive, and the Steelers had had two first downs. The, the defense can't hold it like that. You can't be just sending them back out there every single drive, back out there again, back out there again. Uh, T.J. Watt, I mean, they're going to get tired. Those guys are going to get tired. Then you take them out. The other team suddenly can find a rhythm. Uh, this offense has to be moving the ball, has to be eating clock, has to be letting the defense rest, and has to be producing in the games.
0: Yeah, I, last year it was such a hard – Offense to watch. I mean, week in and week out. I mean, I, I can't remember one game where the offense looked uh explosive or it looked like it was um being consistent. There, there was never any real rhythm with this offense at all last year. And and uh, you know, Troy Palomalu, and who would know better than him? You know, he was pretty adamant about that, you know, after the um uh like back during the the Bruce Arians throw it deep, uh that that era, he said, you know, we're we're being being exposed too much on defense, and that's hurting us. And that's why we're not getting the the production that we ha- had in the past. Of course, a lot of it too was they were just getting old. But <laughs> but yeah. you know, I, I mean, if Troy Polamalu says it, and so many other people who know football say the defense does should not be out on the field uh, that much. When it is, it gets exposed. It gets tired. You need an offense that that can uh, at least take time off the clock, and they did that very little last year i can't really remember when you that titans game i mean the offense i mean i think when when did it get past midfield was like late in the third quarter it was it was unbelievable (laughs) i still can't believe they won that game yeah here's a question from ajc from youtube and they ask who has a higher ceiling claypool or johnson what do you think
1: for ceiling i see that's that's a hard thing for me i've not I, I argue about upside. I'm always like, upside, like, urgh, like what is that? What is upside? Yeah. Yeah. What is what is your ceiling? Uh, so for this, for receivers, I'm going to say, uh, when you're looking at a player who could be a number one receiver, the one question I really have about Deontay Johnson is his production on deeper passes, downfield passes. Antonio Brown was incredibly productive short, but he was also really productive deep.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Deontay Johnson's very productive on short routes. He has not been productive on deep routes. Uh, If you look at other players, they are more. Even, Even the last couple of seasons, Chase Claypool is far more productive on deeper routes than Deontay Johnson was And Claypool wasn't productive enough. We could, I mean, you could go through and look at a lot of highlights and a lot of plays from from Chase Claypool and say, oh my gosh, what's he doing? Like he's falling to the ground. He's turning (laughs) around. He's, you know, all that. And he was still far more productive on deeper throws than Deontay Johnson was. If Johnson can turn that around, if, then then it's Deontay Johnson. But from what I've seen, I'm actually going to go Chase Claypool. I, I think we saw in his rookie season before Ben had the, you know, the the hip problems, whatever it is, it just cost him his ability to throw the ball deep mm-hmm. with accuracy, uh, reliably, and and the timing. When he had two and a half seconds to throw, Chase Claypool and Ben Roethlisberger were were tearing teams apart. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, when when he didn't, he was dumping the ball to Deontay Johnson and hoping Johnson could do something with it because that's right. all they had.
0: Right. Yeah, I think I think physically, there's no question that. that... Chase Claypool is, is, is more impressive. And I think he's capable of maybe being a, a better, a bigger weapon. Uh, but I think Johnson's more polished as a, as an overall receiver. I think, you know, he, he reminds, yeah. he, he, they said this coming out of college, but when you look at his, his the way he plays, he does remind you a lot of like may, maybe a poor man's Antonio Brown. And maybe that's why Ben loved him so much and was, has such a great connection with him on the field. Uh, but he did see a lot. You did see a few uh, big plays from his rookie year. Uh, with uh, oh, yeah. Mason, and I think maybe even uh, Tuck Hodges hit him a couple of times, but he did have some uh, deeper passes his rookie year, so maybe he has that in yeah, him. He it was just, better then, yeah, yeah. maybe he just has he just got kind of caught up in the whole uh, three yards in a cloud of dust passing offense <laughs> they were doing the last couple of years. I, I don't know, but but yeah, I, two I, sec- I think Clay- two seconds and an injured quarterback. That can there you two, to go, that's a go. that's even better, two two seconds and injured in your quarterback passing offense, but. Uh, yeah, they, they definitely, um, I think Claypool has, has the better upside, whatever that, as you said, whatever that means. I always wonder what that means to He has a higher ceiling. Well, how do you know? How do you know he has a higher ceiling? Um, see, do we have anything else here? I've
1: got a question here.
0: Okay. All right. Lon Campbell
1: from YouTube says, is there a number one corner on this roster?
0: Hmm. (laughs) That's a good question. That's a tough one. Yeah. And well, practice,
1: I, these practices don't do these cornerbacks any favors. No, you no, can't really no. physically hit anyone. You can't really touch them.
0: Right. Yeah. Those, I think those are the five guys that, that probably should be cut every day uh, based on the last four days, because, yeah. you know, as you said, you can't really do anything, but I mean, if you like, I, I would, it, it seems weird to say Levi Wallace because, you know, he was undrafted free agent in 2018 and, 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 uh, you know, he was brought in here, I think maybe to be the number two, but when, when Trey White got hurt last year, uh, Wallace assumed that role. And, I mean, obviously he's not Trey White, but he did a pretty decent job for them uh, down the stretch. And, well, in that playoff game was a disaster for that whole defense. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, maybe, it, maybe it's Levi Wallace. Uh, I mean, Wellerspoon has p- potential, obviously, based on how he finished last year and his pedigree. And Cam Sutton, you know, I think, you know, he's just an overall great uh, player. But I'd say maybe Levi Wallace right now. Yeah, I,
1: I think he is going to step into what we would call that role. But in my opinion, Tony, uh I I don't think Joe Hayden was a true number one corner at any point in his time with the Steelers. Mm. He was our best corner. Right. But he wasn't that guy you sit there and say, Hey, Jamar Chase is over there, Joe. At any time, it's 2017 right. on, you wouldn't have said right. Joe, go go lock him down one on one. Take him out of the game. <laughs> Right. You're not going to do that. He, he right. wasn't that guy anymore. Uh, I don't think we have, in that sense of it, a true number one corner on, this ros- on the roster. If you're looking for a guy to just say, hey, cover that dude and don't worry about anything else but that guy, you'd almost have to go with a Keller Witherspoon.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. he's your best pure cover guy. But there's so much of the game that he struggles at, and the more he plays, the more you risk him getting exposed and other teams just going after his weaknesses – He's shown that time and time again. I'd love to believe he's turned the corner, but he's he's done this before, right? We've seen right. this before uh, in other told. teams. Yeah. So for me, I I would say we don't have a number one corner. I would say we have two number two corners, or actually three number two style corners. Uh, but the way the Steelers run their defense, that's that's kind of what they want. Right. 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 I, that's kind of what how they want. Forever. Yeah. Yeah, that's how they do it. Like the last like. I, I don't I don't have and I don't have a problem with it. I I think it'll work out fine. Uh, people don't remember even that 2005 Super Bowl season. Ike Taylor wasn't that guy yet. No, like Ike Taylor played. Brian McFadden. Brian McFadden was a rookie that year, mm-hmm. and uh, and Ike Taylor got benched. Yeah, multiple times. He got benched. That right. he's got benched the next season. Like right, he, he wasn't Ike Taylor yet. Right, no, he wasn't he, the Ike Taylor we think of yet. They won the Super Bowl. Why? Because they had Troy. They had uh, that year. They had Chris Hope. Was that still Chris Hope or no? Was that Ryan Clark already? That was Ryan
0: Clark by 06. That yeah. was Ryan Clark. But
1: yeah. you had those safeties, right? You had the pass rush, and they didn't have. They didn't have to have a number one corner. Uh, so I, th- I don't. I wouldn't say there's a true number one corner on this roster, uh, but I'm not sure the Steelers actually need one.
0: Well, that, that, that I remember that 06 uh, – that disastrous 06 season where Cower was. Uh, chewing out t- Taylor on the uh, sideline and telling him to get the bleep back on the field. I'm like, this is the guy that was the hero in the Super Bowl in the playoffs last year, and he's been yeah. chewed up by a coward. That brings me. A, I have a follow up question to that because um, I'm intrigued by this guy. We were all intrigued by him last summer, and then he kind of fell off at the end. And he lost his job to Weatherspoon. What do you? What do you see in, in James Pierre this, this year? Do you think he can make a leap at all, or do you think he hit his ceiling last year and he's always going to be a kind of a fringe player or a, back, a backup kind of corner?
1: Well I'm I'm a huge fan of James Pierre on special teams. If you if you want a fun time watch him on punts when he's the gunner, watch him blocking gunners. The dude is fantastic. He's got and he's got he doesn't just get results, he has flair about it too. There's mm-hmm. some there's some of the stuff he does. That I love watching him do those special teams plays. For me, he's a lock because of that. As for his role on defense, James Pierre is a dime cornerback, maybe a nickel maybe like we would talk about Mike Hilton not being great in coverage. James Pierre is a, is a rung below Mike Hilton, but if you're the dime guy and you're, and you're mostly in short zones or deep, but you don't have to do both, right? If you're a guy who can sit there and say, if this receiver runs past me, I let him go and I'm picking up this other guy short, Mm -hmm. or I'm deep and I just pick up whoever runs towards me uh, with some of the the way the Steelers run some of their defenses. That's a play James Pierre can do. The Steelers last year when they put him into the top two, they were running a lot of man. He was their number two corner. He's out there in man, especially that Cincinnati game where he's in man on T. Higgins and just getting absolutely destroyed. Right. That's where you can't have a James Pierre. If he is your starting (laughs) cornerback, you are in so much trouble. Right. But the same, the same would be said of Trey Norwood. You don't want Trey Norwood being your starting cornerback, right? Right, and they put James Pierre out there in front of him. You don't want Arthur Millette being your starting outside oh, no, corner. No,
0: no, no definitely a, not. you didn't no. want
1: Mike Hilton, right? times did Mike Hilton go and play outside corner? He didn't. No, so for me, James Pierre has a role as long as the Steelers can keep him in that role, you know, and not have to put him up as a number two corner because that was that was not him.
0: And you don't see any, any growth in that, in that area for him, like maybe working his way up or is that he's just such an unknown that you, you can't really predict at this point?
1: I, I honestly think it's his athletic profile. Right. Okay. Uh, he is, he's a little slower. He's like old Joe Hayden speed, like 19, 2019, 2020 Joe Hayden, but mm-hmm. he does not have the skills Joe Hayden had developed over time to compensate as he lost a bit of speed over time. He, he was so good at so many things. Like he, he would do this thing where he would grab Joe Hayden would grab the, uh, a court wide receiver right here. And you had to like watch and see, you have to pick up what he did it. And I learned to watch for it, but he would grab him right there. Ref never saw it. And he'd just be like, slow, slow down, young right, guy. Right, slow yeah, it down yeah. a little bit. <laughs> Let's just run. And, and uh, you're going to, you're going to slow down a bit so I can stay with you. James Pierre is going to get caught. He got those penalties right. yeah. because he didn't know how to do it. Like Joe Hayden knew how to slip it in there and not get caught. Uh, <laughs> so so, have so a for me, bet. yeah, for me, like he, he's starting there. He's not going to, he's not going to become that guy because he doesn't, have the chance really to be, you know, uh, that kind of a player. So I don't, I don't see that developing. I don't see that changing.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. The odds, I'd say the odds are pretty long. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, you know, like when you have these undrafted free agents, it's it's always exciting until you see them play for a full season. Then then you're like, Oh, okay. And more, and more, more often than not, that's why they were an undrafted free agent. That's, that's why, you know, they prove why they weren't, uh why they were missed by the entire league on draft day. So, or draft weekend. Yep. All right. Let's see if we have anything else here. Uh, here's one. This is one that I definitely can't answer. So I'll, I'll, I'll draw it up for you. How do you see a three safety system working? That's from Jeremy Crewalt. Maybe that's Clint Creewalt's brother. I don't know.
1: <laughs>
0: All right. Uh, for me,
1: one there's one key factor here. Uh, actually, there's two. There's two key factors here. One is Minka Fitzpatrick. Is at his best when he's not in single high safety. He's not a pure single high free safety, cover one type of guy. Uh like the like the Bengals free safety. If you just want to run cover one, I can't remember who the guy the Bengals have. I can't remember his name right now. But him, uh Denver has like Justin Simmons. There's some players out there that are better cover one safeties than Minka Fitzpatrick. He's Jesse not Bates? that guy. Yeah, Jesse Bates. Hmm. Jesse Bates, he's he's not those guys. That's not his best usage. He is the most dangerous when he can be more of a roamer, be a little bit of a wild card, uh, and be up in those intermediate zones where he's jumping slant routes and post routes and doing stuff like that, not covering deep. He can do it, but that's not his best usage. Uh, Demonte Causey, that's 100% his best usage. He is a single high safety center fielder type of player. That's the number one factor. And the number two is last year, Terrell Edmonds led all Steelers, in slot in uh slot cornerback snaps. Like playing the like where you picture the nickel back being or the dime back mm-hmm. covering a slot receiver. Terrell Edmonds lined up covering a slot receiver more than anyone else on this defense. That's a big sign to me because not only does he provide good coverage there, especially in man, he is a good man cover guy, not like top of the line cornerback he's a, he's as good as most of our cornerbacks are at man coverage. Hmm. And he gives you more options for stopping the run there. He gives you more help in the box. So I really think you could see Terrell Edmonds in the slot in a nickel package. If they're, if they're kind of worried that team's going to run on you and you don't want to put cam Sutton in the slot to face like a run play, you can put a Terrell Edmonds in there. Steelers did that last year a lot, partly because they'd come out in seven, man, they come out in a seven man front to try and stop the run. And the other team has three wide receivers out there. They'd be like, okay, Terrell, you're now our nickel corner. And we still got seven in the box because we need them in there. Like we can't, right. we can't stop right. the run.
0: It's, it's so funny that, uh, cause I mean, obviously, again, you know, your X's and O's and so many other people who, who, who know football, they, they talk about these, the, the, the things that Edmonds brings to the table, as far as coverage and, 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 and playing these different roles. And yet, you know, this past off season, they, they, he couldn't find a suitor and then the Steelers got him back for one year for two and a half million. It just seems weird that he would be so undervalued, especially this off season when, you know, everybody was flash flush with salary cap by room uh, compared to the year before. And yet, you know, he had to come back for a, people, people keep calling it a prove it year deal, but what, what more does he have to prove? He's a solid uh, player. He's never going to be, you know, Troy Polamalu. That's just not who he is, but he's a really good, valuable player starting durable, starting safety, and and he just doesn't get any respect.
1: Wait, Tony, there are five safeties, five players who play safety that were signed this offseason by the Steelers. Mm -hmm. You had Marcus Allen, Miles Killebrew, Carl Joseph, uh, Terrell Edmonds, and Demonte Kazee. Do you want to guess where Terrell Edmonds ranks on that list? As far as the Steelers' salary cap commitment
0: to him, I can't imagine it being uh, much above five. It was fourth, and you know who
1: fifth? What you know who was fifth? Demonte Uh, Kazi.
0: I knew it wasn't Marcus Allen. I know that much. Yeah, Marcus Allen
1: is number one.
0: Miles Killebrew,
1: and then Carl Joseph. It it just doesn't make any sense. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing with these guys.
0: I I I don't get it. like, but, we're all just,
1: excited about the Kazi sign. People are like, man, can Demonte Kazi beat out Terrell Edmonds for the starting job? You know, maybe we should be talking more about Marcus Allen? Hopefully yeah, right. Hopefully
0: not. But right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, who
1: knows what the Steelers are planning? I, I don't know. Uh, it it baffled me then. It baffles me today. Terrell Edmonds was signed to uh what's called a four-year qualifying offer. Basically the old veteran minimum contract. Mm-hmm. They revamped the veteran minimum contract. That's what Terrell Edmund signed. He costs far less on the salary cap than what they pay him because it's a minimum contract.
0: Yeah, it's, 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 I just don't get it. I don't get it. And don't it, get feeds it. Into, it feeds into that long running narrative that, yeah, he was a yeah. boss. He's a bust, which he's not a bust. He's a really good yeah. player. He's just not, he's not Micah Fitzpatrick. He's not Troy Palomalu. He's not that kind of safety, but he's still really, really good. And also, and Marcus
1: Allen, Miles Killabrew. And Carl Joseph were all Steelers last season. And Terrell Edmonds led the team in snaps on defense. He led the entire defense in snaps. He played more than anyone else. Those three were still there on the roster, and the Steelers were like, you know who's more valuable than Terrell Edmonds? These three guys.
0: (laughs) (laughs) These three guys. Like – What did yeah, it, it's it, what did they always say about uh, so who was the big uh, big Dan? Uh, uh, you know, what's what was his name? The, the lineman that never, yeah, ran, big Dan McCullers. colors. Yeah, he always shade made, a team. yeah, the shade tree. Yeah. He, he must have something on Mike Tomlin. Well, apparently, they have something on Thoreau Edmonds and 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 uh, they're low him and forcing him to, to play it at, at the bet minimum. It's just it's yeah. crazy, but and, and then cause he's even lower because he he also got a
1: qualifying offer, but he's been around, so his is even cheaper. I, wow. I just, I don't understand.
0: Maybe they're just, uh, they bought into the Steeler way, or at least Kazi did. You know, I, I, obviously yeah. Edmonds wanted wanted the money, but it, it just didn't work out for him. But Yeah. So what do you think, Jeffrey? Do you want to you take any more questions or you want to call it a night? We're coming up on an hour. Uh,
1: I'm looking to see if there's one more we could do here, maybe, but I think we're
0: pretty good. Yeah. We had a pretty good crew tonight. We're a little tonight, over though. time. Yeah, we we're a little over time. We should probably probably head out, but uh, wait a minute. I think I saw a, uh, did I see a uh, super chat? Maybe not. Maybe I just clicked. Maybe I just turned it blue by mistake. And anyway, if it is a super chat, I'm sorry. I missed it, but thank you for that. Well, I'll keep, I'll scroll down a little bit more and maybe I, I missed it. Did I live radio. Now oh, there it is. Here we go. By uh, well, oh, oh, wow. This is uh this is the guy that I met a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Where, where do I find it?
1: There it is. There, there did it I up. get it? There you go. There
0: we go. I got you. He and, and Thardo bar thank you. Thardo Barbera, two dollars. He donates and thank you for that. And he says, Tony from Kelly says, Tony, to- join my cult. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, for two bucks, a cult. I mean, that, there's a lot more. I, I'm going to need a lot more to join a cult. That's going to, that's going to, people should have people questioning my, uh, my, my life and i'm gonna lose friends so but yeah that's yeah. It. I'll, hey, think hey, about, I'll think about as it. as
1: long as it's not like some mason rudolph cult okay you guys like well don't, don't
0: that. well i've already i've already <laughs> been drinking that i've been dabbling in that kool-aid this offseason i i did it for, at first as a as a lark now i'm starting to believe it so i don't know there's no hope for me yeah maybe i'm slipping into the uh mason rudolph uh abyss <laughs> but uh on that note let's uh let's call it a night what do you say? Yeah.
1: Hey, it's been a great show, man.
0: It's been a great show. Fantastic. We had a lot of a lot, lot of uh, great football talk. Big crew. And don't forget to, to check back uh, each and every day. Uh, check our podcasting uh, family, our podcast family. Jeffrey has a great show. When's your show come out, Jeffrey? Your, your solo podcast, uh, your uh, audio. Mine comes
1: out Tuesday. Tuesday. Tuesday, right around lunchtime. That's the cutting room floor. Uh, I'm going to be talking about. Of course, training camp and stuff, and and mostly what it all means, what we can take away from training camp. So, look forward to that one.
0: That's that's great stuff. And of course, you're on the curtain call with Shannon White every every Wednesday night, right? And you see the a curtain guest-
1: call finale, the finale of the curtain call for this year. As you know, once the games start, it's right. no it turns into know your enemy, and that's the crazy thing. This is the last Wednesday before the preseason week. The Wednesday, so we got. Today, two weeks Wednesday. The Wednesday after that is we're going to be previewing the Steelers' first uh, preseason opponent. The I think it's the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be talking about the Seahawks.
0: That's I, I can't believe it. I mean, it just seemed like just yesterday uh, uh, the Steelers were were uh, getting blown out in a wild card game, and now they're oh. they're about to play uh, their first preseason game. But you can find me tomorrow uh, Monday night on the Hangover with uh, Brian and Shannon. But until then you guys have a great night for jeffrey benedict i'm tony defio and as always oh i gotta do the music so uh speaking to brian so he doesn't <laughs> doesn't yell at me let's see if i can find it Wow, well, what a what a show what a what a uh, here we are oh it's been, right. it's been
1: a lot of fun it's been a
0: lot of fun. a lot of great it's comments been, in the- it's been it's been, it's been a ton of fun see you guys